This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 358. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode I'm joined with the Baz and we're going to be sitting down discussing a brand new horror title in the UK. We'll be discussing The Forever Purge, the fifth movie in the Purge franchise in a non-spoiler and spoiler fashion. So do yourself a favour, check the deets on the notes for the show if you've got one of those fancy apps look at the chapter links and make sure you skip past it if you haven't watched it can't stress that enough if you've not seen the movie please if you've got any intention at all of sitting down and watching this motherfucker skip past our spoiler review if you've seen the movie before or you legitimately do not give a fuck then continue listening on because we will spoil this movie for you. That will be coming up after the first break. Before we get to that, let's catch up with where we are, the midway point of the week, dropping you your second Basfield episode. What? I know, and um, yeah, it's the third in a row. I want to say this is the third Baz episode in a row, which is kind of nuts. Last Thursday, he announced his return for Bazoween. Then on Monday, he dropped his Russian franchise retro on Scream. And now here we are doing The Forever Purge. He is back in Baz. Back in Baz. So there we go. Yeah. So that'll be coming up after the first break. A little bit of Forever Purge chat. Let's also talk about what's happening on the Teapots Collective. Slowly catching up with those episodes, ladies and gents. We dropped a brand new instalment of Opera Omnia for you. Discussing Zodiac, myself and Bo Ransdell, the resident guest host on season three of Opera Omnia. Gush heavily over that movie. That dropped on Monday. Go forth. Enjoy. For the rest of the week, this is how it's kind of shaping up. On the Tea Parts Collective this coming Saturday evening, you will get the next Where to Begin With. Yay! We'll be dropping that one for all y'all out there. On the podcast under the stairs feed this coming Sunday is another one of those 88 films slasher classic collection reviews. Oh, we are so close, so close now to catching up entirely with that series. So, yeah. It's going to be weird when we get there, but I think the Italian collection releases will have been out by then as well, so we'll probably just segue directly into them. So that's your lineup for the rest of the week, ladies and gents. So shall we do this? Yes, Duncan, we shall. Thank you very much, unnamed listener who sounds a lot like me. I've got my eye on you. We're going to do a very short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for the movie when I return. I'm John with the Baz coming right up right after this hello this is the doom show keep on keeping on and keep on trucking america 
We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon-exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. The annual purge will conclude in three, two, one. Thank you for your participation. We survived. All police and emergency services have been reinstated. All crime, including murder, is now illegal. Come on, let's get to work. One night only. Rest of the year is peaceful. How's that feel? It's the real purge. The forever purge! Hurry up! They're coming! Come on! Follow me! There's nowhere safe to go. No way to get help. Oh my god. We gotta find another way to get out of here. country's gonna collapse. Mexico was opening its borders for the next six hours. Let's go. We're in this together. and welcome back ladies and gents so you've just heard the trailer for the forever purge this movie is directed by Everardo Gout uh, 
based on the characters by James DeMonaco, who I believe has written and directed... Well, he's certainly written all the instalments, but I think he also helped direct some of them. Um, the cast, dear God, why are the names also difficult? Uh, we do have Will Patton in here, which is always great to see Will Patton, uh, and Josh Lucas, who are probably the two biggest names, but we have Alejandro Edda, Cassidy Freeman, uh, Leaving Ramblin, um, Tenet Huerta, uh, Anna de la Regula, um, and other folks, to be honest, there's a lot of people that you have uh, probably not seen before, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Joining me on this review, which will be non-spoiler and spoiler, um, is a dear friend of mine. He joined me at the cinema to watch this, and he did promise that he was going to be making kind of ad hoc appearances on the show when we were chatting about Scream on Monday. Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, what can I say about him that hasn't been said enough? Uh, he has a 10-inch penis. Um, it's true, we measured it um, and we ran it room so I had to use two hands uh, as the man, the myth, the legend the Baz Hola sexy founding fathers <laughs> How are we? Um, this could be fun because uh, yeah. this, this is a let's jump on and do one of these things that Duncan does uh, but let's have another voice other than just <laughs> Duncan's which I'm, I'm happy with because I sometimes feel Specifically with these sort of movies, if I, I come like a, come in like a bit of a Debbie Downer um, on this one, and I'm not wanting to give away too much of a stance already, but we have differing opinions overall on this movie, which means you're not going to get the usual bromance loving that you get on a Duncan and Baz episode, which I'm kind of excited about for sure. It's one of the reasons uh, we <laughs> think it's going to make an interesting commentary. Before we get into it, history with the purge. Um, what's your what's your uh, what's your history with this franchise? So I have I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I definitely own the first one. I think I own the second one, or if not, I've definitely seen it. Um, then I had quite a gap, and then I watched um, Election Day, and then yeah. the first Purge. Yeah. As in the fourth film, you know, the first purge kind of thing. Um, I have varying levels of appreciation <laughs> of those films. <laughs> um, and I, I have issues with the whole premise, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of long enough in the tooth nowadays to go like that, well, fuck it, you know, just... You need to push that aside. At the end of the day, you watched fucking 10 or 11 fucking films about Jason Voorhees. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you watched Freddy get brought back to life by radioactive dog piss. <laughs> and, you you know, so... I, I will talk about the issues I have with the films, but um, I, I, I would probably call myself a kind of... A fan, like if they brought out a sixth one, I would go and see it, I would, well, or I would watch it when it came on. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll speak about that at the end because this is technically supposed to be the last one. However, yeah. uh, the thing that has hampered its release because it was supposed to come out last year, and obviously nothing came out last year because COVID. Uh, they delayed it, so I think its messaging to an extent is maybe a bit more pertinent for twenty twenty. Right. If you know what I mean in terms of the climate in America and the politics, mm-hmm. 
is maybe more in line with that, whereas in 2021, some of the messaging necessarily hasn't changed, but the temperature's maybe a bit cooler. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. it definitely feels like a movie that's maybe a wee bit late. But yeah, I'm... I mean, the movies are immensely popular and they generate a lot of money. That is why you are seeing them. I mean, this one has already made its money back and that's in limited theatres worldwide. Like, theatres are not fully open yet and it has already comfortably made its money back. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. it's going to be released... And there must have been a bit of cash spent on this as well. 18 million, Um, according to the thing. And it's generated over... It's over 30 at the moment. So, and it's not been yeah. officially released in the UK yet. That's just the US ones. We saw it as part of an unlimited screening, so we saw it just in advance of its formal release in oh, the UK. Right, okay. So the numbers will go up for that. And then it's obviously it's going to go into other territories and when it does, more money. So yeah. it's, it's already made its money in the domestic American market. So once again, it's doing fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It benefits yeah, yeah. at the moment because once I say... There's no movies out, really. There's not a ton of movies out, so it's not really having to compete against much. But that being said, though, the, the movies there, there's a reason we're five instalments into the the Purge franchise. It's because people are going to see them. That's the yeah. the bottom line. The, the people are going to see them. They're watching them, and as a result, they'll like every franchise. They will keep making them until they're not profitable anymore, and then they will pull the plug. So that's yeah, where in, entirely. I mean, uh, certainly the first of the Purge movies. It was an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it hadn't been done before to any great extent I'm aware of. Um, it tapped, it definitely tapped into a zeitgeist almost slightly ahead of time. Yeah, 2013. You know, yeah. So, yeah, ahead and of the time. And then we get Trump. Yep. And then this kind of, you know fascist America if you like that he kind of brought with him yep. and the alt-right and all this kind of stuff all of that is is very in line with it, these movies um, the rest of the franchise has suffered from the way they all do you know that first one came out it was a bit of a kind of sleeper hit I suppose if you like the first yeah. one mm-hmm. um, so, so right okay well let's make another 15 of these fucking films then do you know what yeah. I mean um, it also helps that like the first movie was made very very cheap even yeah. though it's got big like uh, Ethan Hawke that's in that movie um, did that for essentially he signed up to do it for potential profits the film made because yeah. he knows uh, Jason Blum for Blumhouse so he kind of yeah. did it as a kind of well you don't really have to you know, really have to yeah. pay me. I'll come in and do this and all the rest. And then that movie... So it was shot, like, single-set location and what the big complaint from people were at the time and ultimately what's led to where we are now was people were like, it's such a really cool concept. It's a shame that you stuck us in a house for the full thing. We would like to see what the pod was like on an outside We level. want to see cities burn! So, and we went... We've progressively went up on that. So the Got next there, movie yeah. was set in the city and then we've went out and now this, this final movie we're going to talk about here is on a national scale. Mm-hmm. It's the nations on fire. Yeah, um, yeah. So we've kind of, we've kind of, instead of like expanding out and then reaching a level of comfort, we've expanded it out so far now that the only way to do another movie after this is to cool it and contract it because it, there's, nowhere, there's nowhere else to go, Bass. I think my, yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. 
where I really kind of fucking lost it with the whole franchise was uh, the, the fourth movie, the first punch. Yeah. Because do you know what? I, I was. It, it's a film. It's similar in tone to The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. And some of the best episodes of The Handmaid's Tale are the ones that focus on the lead character's life before everything went to shit. Yeah. And when I heard it, I, I didn't like... It's like you say, so the first one was the first one, right? Yeah. The second one, it broadens the scope a bit. There's more going on. There's more characters involved. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a wider setting. Then you've got election year, which is kind of looking at the 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 wider concept of the purge yeah. and a political level, and we start getting more into this the new founding fathers, yeah, the new founding politics. fathers, yeah. And then we get the inevitable fucking prequel, and I'm a bit of a sucker for a prequel, to mm-hmm. be quite honest. But I, I, it it was just shit. It, it reminded me of the Hannibal one. You know, Hannibal yeah. Rising. Yeah. Just in tone, it's like that, right? You know, oh, this will be cool. Let's do a pre- let's let's tell them how we got here. Mm-hmm. Well, make it interesting. Make it. You know, there's I, so much they could have done with that fourth film. Yeah. And it just, it was just another one. Sometimes it was another some, fucking. Sometimes having a a cool concept in a movie. Is it is. Interesting for a writer to work you know, to try that. How did we get here? Yeah. Scenario doesn't always make a great movie. Um, yeah, and almost almost all the prequels I can think of just sharply off the top of my head are not great. Um, yeah, like the Cabin Fever prequel is awful. And the other thing that I don't like about them is they tend not to, especially when they're running into a movie, they tend not to tie up nicely into the movie. They tend to leave more questions. Which I hate. I absolutely hate yeah. movies that leave me with like a small gap between the first movie starting and that prequel, and then there's a wee gap, and I'm like, well, actually, how do they tie up all this to get to there? And that's frustrated me more than me sitting there going, oh, I wonder how we got there. As a yeah. as a question, I can't quite answer. But if you give me some information, and then I get that other movie that comes after, I'm left with going, well, that doesn't make any sense. See, that's what I think. And this is another film we saw recently was with the Quiet place part two yep got it nicely because they did the whole fucking prequel bit in the first kind of opening scene yep so you get 10 15 minutes and it just gave you enough like to give you that oh that's quite right so this is how this is where they came from yep. and it's not overdone and it's not over fucking blowing they don't break they don't break any single rule at all that's set yep. in that first movie um, and that, that to me, was far better than what they did with the likes of the first punch. I would agree um, with that. I would agree with that. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on the, the franchise. It's good to get a bit of context. I'm maybe a little bit lower than you on them. Um, I only recently, and people will hear it on the summer series, uh, which will be coming up real soon. Um, but when they hear the 2013 episode, they'll hear me talk about the punch. And it was a movie that I generally didn't have much thought or love for uh, I really didn't like the end and it kind of put me off going back to it from the time it came out um, and then watching it for the summer series I actually found myself weirdly gravitating to a lot more than I thought I was gonna and I don't know if that's me contextualising that I don't like much of the way the sequels of the movies so as a result of that I've went back to a simpler time bass yeah. uh, and went actually this works a whole lot better and I still don't like the ending 
I still think the ending's maybe a little bit tongue-in-cheek and a practical joke and I feel that that movie does not fucking deserve for what is done all the way through it but and I've seen the other ones I, the interestingly enough I saw the first one in the cinema and I saw the one before this the first purge in mm-hmm. the cinema the previous two I caught them when they came on streaming sites I, I was yeah. in no hurry to go and see them in any way shape or form at the cinema and this one it's safe to say, with us not being in the cinema for a year, we're pretty much any anything that's at the cinema at the moment we're oh, going yeah. to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sat in what I could honestly describe as the worst cinema seat I have ever been in uh, last night when we watched this movie, yeah. and I sat all the way through it. It's it's not pre COVID. <laughs> I would have been like that, don't me. I'm I'm off. I can't be fucked with this. I'll catch this when it comes streaming. <laughs> right, this this dude here, this director, he's never done a Purge movie before, and it looks like, from what I can see, he's been heavily involved with TV. Um, most notable, interestingly enough, um, he did some stuff on Banshee, which is a TV show that I really liked. Um, and he also did the very first episode of Luke Cage, which I know was a TV show that both me and you watched. I only ever watched the first season, though. I didn't go beyond the first season. I only watched the first season as well. Yeah. It was of of that that little glut of um, Marvel uh, TV shows that Netflix put out a yeah. few years back. It, it was the one I liked the least. I have yeah. to say, um, I, I didn't. It was it wasn't particularly bad. It just wasn't as good as. The likes of the, the the early Daredevil series, Jessica Jones, yeah. The Punisher, they, they were all just much better than yeah. it, to be honest. So, so that's, I wasn't that's a huge he, fan. That's where he's come from. So he's now doing the stuff, like I say, James DeMonaco is the is the writer here. Um, and yeah, I was right, he's written every Purge, uh, <laughs> every single Purge movie, as well as the Purge TV show, which once again... I've never seen. Um, no, I've not watched it either. It's on, I think it's on Amazon in the UK. Right. I, I mean, um, I might get around to it at some point. But... I, it's on my list, as is the Swamp Thing series yeah. and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're just sitting there. I will one day. He also, interestingly enough, he directed the first three Purge movies. So that's okay. that's his like he handed across, which might be I'm not saying it's the reason that maybe the first purge didn't resonate with you, um, yeah. But yeah. it's not him that he didn't direct that movie. So worth keeping that in the back of our mind. Um, so let's do. Since uh, you know I do the format slightly differently when I do these kind of mini reviews. Um, I don't often do spoilers for movies that are in the cinema, but we will have a spoiler section because I feel our conversation is going to have to go there at some point. So what we'll do is we will give you the nod uh, when we're going into spoiler territory. It's up to you whether or not you adhere to the warning um, if you're one of these ones that use like um, Apple Podcasts or some of the other podcatchers that are not Spotify the chapter listings will be at the bottom in the description so you can jump ahead of the spoiler section by clicking the next chapter save yourself a bit of grief um, we're going to do a non-spoiler on this one in non-spoilers bass what I talk about is stuff that I like about the movie just as a whole cinematography acting story without going into too much detail and then similarly the stuff that I don't like stuff that I think didn't go well in the same sort of category um, and then I'll give it a score 
we'll do our, our spoiler break, we'll come back, and then we'll actually get into a bit of the nitty-gritty about where we think the movie... Basically, our points here, backing them up with things from the movie. Yeah, yeah. Side. yeah. Um, I will say this about it, and I know you're going to agree with me. This one, markably, seems like they've spent a lot more money on it. Um, yes. It's shot incredibly well. This feels like an action movie and not a horror movie now. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think we've, that line got crossed a while ago. We were kind of teetering on the line. We're now into action... I mean, the stuff that's happening is horrific and the concept is of a horror bent, but the movie itself is shot, played out, and exactly the beats and beats of an action movie all the way through. Yeah. Like the first one had that kind of subversiveness about it. Yeah. You know, the people at the door with the masks on and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, it, it's not there anymore. You know, this is a, a dramatic fight for survival. Yeah. Thing. Pretty much. Um, other thing I liked about it... Um, Actually, weirdly, I thought, and I thought I wasn't going to like it, I think the action scenes, for the most part, are shot really, really well. There's a kineticness Mm. in the way the camera moves that you feel like when they're running through streets. Uh, I'm at grim level with them running through the streets, and I really like that because, to me, it gives it a sense of urgency, and I need that sense of urgency to be, in any way, shape, or form, remotely in feeling danger for the characters. So I like that as well. Um, special effects are okay, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of it, there's some dodgy CGI fire, but find me a movie that doesn't have some dodgy CGI fire. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great deal of practical effects in there. Costume design's pretty cool. Um, location's pretty cool. There's a couple of scenes where they've shut off streets. Um, now, I don't know if they've actually shut them off in real life or if that's on a, like a stage, like a studio stage or whatnot. But I thought that was done well. It looked it looked real enough, and then there's a couple of outdoor locations. Um, so I thought they did that well. That, unfortunately, is probably where I'm going to stop in the good category. Is there anything that I haven't touched on that like worked for you, like for this movie? Um, I really liked the whole kind of Western aesthetic to it. Right. Um, because, to be honest, it kind of set it apart from the other ones. Because they've all been heavily urban, haven't they? Very yeah. urban. And, and to be quite frank, the first Purge, you know, the fourth movie, it almost got racially insensitive. You know, it went so ghetto. Yes. Um, this film doesn't. It obviously, it's set in this this one's set in Texas. I don't think it's any kind of spoiler. Yep. So there's very much a kind of Western aesthetic to the whole thing which I really liked I really liked that in some of the costumes that you saw yeah uh, particularly in the purgers um it did bring in other elements that I didn't like you know due to the fact that the sort of border type thing yeah was going on which we'll talk about shortly uh, so I really liked that about it um I thought the casting was pretty good yeah, um, not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, I, I like most of the the the, the female lead in it. Mm-hmm. I really like her. I was trying to think what I had seen her in before. She was in Eastbound and Down oh, in the second season. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was also in uh, the TV series of um, From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, God, which we, you first... and I. Did the first back. season of that way, way back, back in the fucking fuck's day. Sake. Fuck's sake. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I like that. 
Um, Here's something I've just thought that I've liked. This movie's an hour and 43 minutes long and did not feel an hour and 43 minutes long. No, it didn't. And I, I, I didn't get bored or distracted at any point. My rampant ADHD didn't kick in at any point during this film. <laughs> And, and like I say, we were in horrific seats. Horrible seats. We were right well down, down the front down and at the side. Five oh. rows for the front at the far right-hand side. It was fucking awful. I hated it. Never again. But, um, you know, and like I genuinely, if that was a film that I was desperate to go and see and that was the only two seats we could have got, I would have probably left. Yeah. And gone back at a later date when I could get a better seat to enjoy it kind of thing. Yeah. But I sat through it. Um... Yeah, I, I just... With, with all of the Purge films, you've, you've got to be able to look past its glaring flaws. Mm. And doing that with this one, I think I said to you when I came out, with the exception of maybe the first film, because it had that uniqueness to it, it was that new, fresh in quotes, idea. Yeah. I think this was probably my favourite out with the first one. Yeah. Um, but that is to do, it's probably more to do with the fact that it was more of a, um, you know, the first film was really a home invasion film. Well, it's, it's, about 100%, it. it's, it's a 100%, it's a home invasion um, movie, but the this time around, basically, the, the genius of the first movie is that it's a home invasion movie, but it's a home invasion movie where the actual home invasion is sanctioned, so there's no police. Yes, which uh, to me on on the on its basic level is fucking genius. Yeah, I think the thing with this one is it's almost a home invasion movie in reverse, and that they are trying to get out mm. and away, mm-hmm. you know, from their home base, if you like, kind yep. of thing. Um, so ignoring the kind of critical flaws in the whole punch thing, which we'll talk about, no doubt. I, I, I just find this, you know, as an action film. Mm-hmm. Um, when I put all that pub stuff aside, I, I can kind of get on board with the films, and, and I just I like this one better yeah. than most of the other ones, kind of thing. Um, I bought into the characters with a couple of notable exceptions that again we'll talk about. Yeah. It's a stupid, fun, cheesy movie. Yeah. I, I had a good time watching it at the end of the day. It's not going to make any kind of fucking list no. or anything like that in, in terms of favourite films of the fucking year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe it was bolstered by the fact that we have been away from the cinema mm. for nearly a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So you and I, and to a lesser extent, Big Dave, are pretty much going to see anything that we're remotely interested yeah. in just because it's getting back in the cinema, and, yeah. which is a thing that we all enjoy and it's a bit as social as we get these fucking days is going and have a coffee at the cinema and a blether outside, you know Aye, what I mean? Pretty much. Uh, let's say, we'll sort of swing it to what does the movie, once again, without spoilers, what does the movie maybe not do well? What did I not like about it? I, I mean, there's no, there's no easy way to put it without spoiling it. I thought the script was pretty terrible. Um, I, don't like, I just don't believe people speak like the they're all like they're all like steroid versions of real people yeah like so like the like the will Patton cat i love will Patton as an actor i fucking adore him but him is the the kind of father figure you know looking at like i just it's every every it's 
it tries too aggressively and too perniciously to try and put over what the theme of the movie is, whereas uh. you don't need like a degree in sociology to understand what the theme of the movie is. It is like to the point where like the, the is literally emblazoned over every conversation, every backdrop, everything that happens. That to me that gets a bit. I don't know when exactly that started happening in the Pudge franchise because the messaging has always been there and it's always been kind of dumb. But in this one in particular, I just felt like it was like egregiously dumb. And once again, I don't know if a lot of that is in line with what was happening in America last year, politically speaking. Um, that, you know, the climate was on such a, like a, on the top of a, a lit match um, last year that a movie like this is kind of speaking to that crowd um, in that way. So I, I didn't like that. Um, I thought the ending was. Like the the end resolution was horrifically <laughs> dumb, like horrifically to the point where, like I like I just couldn't. And then there's about one or two scenes in the movie itself which logistically don't make any fucking sense. Like that would pull the story apart. Now I know you have to go with it because yeah, you, it's a movie, right? You have to go with it. But and the whole underlying premise to the punch yes. doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't. Of course, it doesn't fucking work. You know. Of course, it, like in the world, like this is the only country. It does not fucking work. But at the same time, though, I think and I've said this before. Um, I think when you are dealing specifically. And the way this movie is dealing with such a volatile subject, mm-hmm. um, and the place that it's dealing with, with images of a wall separating Mexico, and you know, so the build the wall, the wall is up, yeah, right, and all the rest. When you're dealing with subjects on that, even if your heart is in the right place, which I think the director of this movie, his heart is probably the right and all the rest. Their hearts are probably in the right ways. I have a sneaky suspicion they're probably leaning more to the left than they are to the right, politically <laughs> speaking. I think doing it in the way they do it here, as in dumbing it down to, to almost a silly argument in the way that they do it here, does nothing for the cause or the action yeah. or the conversation at all, if anything that does harm. Um, so that's, I mean, we'll get into it later on, and I understand that's, like, people, I can imagine people are like, it's a fucking, it's a purge movie, Duncan. Yes, and I totally agree with you, but it's a purge movie, which in the case of this one is actually, it's no longer, right, the purge is a fictional thing and all the rest. It is basically dealing with things that a previous president had as policies. Yeah. And you know, to an extent, things that are on rampant rise in that country. So to yes. make an entertainment level, a dumb entertainment thing out of that, to me, makes me... Like, I know you've seen this movie because we spoke about it briefly before. There is a phenomenally witty, low-budget movie that was done by Film 4 in 2001, 2002, called uh, Series 9, The Contenders. Oh! Love it. Absolutely love that film. Right, but it's it's all about like reality TV. Yeah, and it's basically it's a satire on reality TV. It's like we start here doing Big Brother. Eventually, one day it's going to be a game show. You're going to be picked out randomly and given a gun and seven days to survive because you've got to conti- you've got to kill all your um, contestant opponents. 
Um, and this is the ninth iteration of the Contender series. Um, and I think it's brilliant because it approaches it with the right level of satire. I don't think Americans are necessarily good at satire. Yeah. I think their satire tends to be um, as subtle as trying to put in a pin with a sledgehammer. It's mm-hmm. just very, very, very bashy-bashy without the nuances that are really required to get a point across really cleverly. Um, and Session 9... Uh, sorry, Series 9... The con- Session 9? Uh, series 9, The Contenders, does it really, really, really well. It's like it's, it's actually a bit too clever for its own good. Um, whereas I then look at The Forever Porch and I'm like that. Yeah, this is like... It's like, it's like me sitting down and asking my seven-year-old daughter to explain racism in America and then writing a script off her finger painting. You know what I mean? That's, that's, the, that's the level of of thought and depth. You know what I mean? If I fell into a pool made up of this plot, I couldn't drown in it. It'd be that shallow. Um, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that, it's How long have you been saving that line up? Yeah, I've been waiting for a bad movie, Buzz. Um, <laughs> so... Aye, so that's that's my negatives. I know you probably touch on probably feel similar to I do on some of them. I think you're maybe a bit more forgiving than I, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't I couldn't argue against really anything that you've said there. Yeah, um, yeah, I I think I am more forgiving of the the movie and to a lesser extent the franchise issues I had with it. Um, there's a. a a kind of love interest relationship yep. in the film that frankly horrified me. It was embarrassing Yeah, the way they brought this in. We'll talk more about that in the spoiler stuff. The, the kind of... They try and do this... Uh, uh, we spoke about this as soon as we came out. <laughs> this kind of... Clever juxtaposition. It's it's an inverse, Baz. It's an inverse. Like, how often do you see an inverse on the screen? Oh Ooh. my Ooh. Christ, that's just mortifying. Yeah. You know? Um Yeah, it it's not hard to pick flaws in this film. Yeah. But it's not hard to pick like the whole thing with the purge. Do I wonder and I thought this as soon as I saw the first one. I wouldn't be surprised if the guy that wrote all of these was a big Judge Dread fan. Possibly. Uh, th- th- this whole punch thing has a real kind of Dread Mega City 1 kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. Anybody's ever read the comics, there was the, the storylines like the Block Wars leading into the Apocalypse War and all this kind of stuff. It just reeks of that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. But oh, I've gone on a complete fucking tangent and forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you go off the notes, Baz. Yeah. There's totally. no notes. That's it. Yeah. Free ball in it. Free ball in it. Free here. ball in Jesus Christ. Um, so, I Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, yeah. I know about Judge Dredd. Tone, the way the movie set out. The Purge. The Purge, yep. yes. The, the critical problem with it is it's this idea, right? We'll let you do what you want for a night. Mm hmm. And then you'll be a good guy for the rest of the year. Yeah. How many fucking serial killers have just killed somebody, you no, know, raped them, made a wee yeah. skin suit, and then gone like, 
Oh, I'm glad I got that out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> Back to work on Monday. Yep. I'm a good guy again. Do you know what I mean? 364 days to the next one. Escalates yeah. and escalates and escalates. And weirdly, this film is kind of about that because without throwing any spoilers, it's, you know, they have the punch and then it doesn't stop the next morning like it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And that this movie is based around that fucking premise. But it, it's such a jump. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it goes from everybody stops dead at seven o'clock the next morning, back to normal again, clear up the dead bodies, we're all good fucking citizens again, and it goes from that to, you know, the country's ablaze yeah. type like thing. The, the, the country, there's a, a, a well-organised network of people that the government, the FBI and the CIA and the NSA... Are completely unaware of. Completely unaware of. Baz, I don't know if Despite you know... Despite the fact that they are living... And in America, that has a kind of totalitarian, almost fascist government, this yep. newfounding fathers thing. Yep. And that was an- another thing that bugged me in it a lot was that they kept referring to, you know, the newfounding fathers have lost control in El Paso and, you know, the, the yep. purges have taken them. But, you know, when America invaded Iraq, it wasn't like that. The Republican Party have made advances yeah. in fucking Al Bakira fucking yeah, province. You don't, you don't blame the party. You, you, you blame yeah. uh, yes, Washington. Yeah, you, it's, you know what I mean? Point, yeah, yeah. It's not so, a, yeah. Things like that. And that, weirdly, this particular film, that annoyed the shit out yeah. of me. I don't know, maybe it wasn't as much in the other films. But I, don't, I don't think it's as much in there, but I think it's also linked to the, once again, the climate of the messaging of the movie, which was supposed to come out last year. Yeah. You're linked, yeah. Specifically linked to a party as opposed to linking it to the country. Yeah. Um, which, I, like, once again, that's the, it's the danger about taking complex subject matter and trying to make entertainment out of it. Unless, you, unless you're really, really, really fucking good at what you do, you dumb it down to a point where, right, they're the bad guys. And there's yeah. no nuance here. There's no nuance to that conversation. We've spoken about it before. before. Um, it's, it links into that idea of woke culture. And I am not against woke culture. I think woke culture in a lot of respects, there are certain things that come out of it that I go, I totally agree with that. That shouldn't yeah. happen in a workplace. People should think twice before they speak to someone and all the rest. And then there's the steroid version of it, which is what we mm-hmm. get in this movie with the, the rednecks and the white supremacists. The yeah. steroid version of that is you retweeted a meme which is now considered um, gender insensitive from seven years ago and you've never done anything like that since and you've you may have done a hundred million great things but because you did that then you shouldn't have a job you should be ridiculed yeah. you should be doxxed people should know where you are your life should be ridiculed and all the rest and, and it's, a, an apology is no longer enough and an apology for it uh you know i, I you know like it's, it's on that layer so it's the mm-hmm. steroid version so it's like the other th- so and there's a part of the script and a, the part of the story specifically what we're saying about the end and we're going to get spoilers in a second but the the end idea the inverse situation yeah is like such the the steroid woke interpretation that the place that we think you will be safer in is safer 
than America when factually that's not right. <laughs> like, and that was the bit it, that was beyond patronising. That was the bit that I just could not like get like my head just like it almost felt like it was going to scanners explode. I couldn't. I, I just I was like, what? What are we doing? So yeah, I, let's because I feel we're we're on the cusp of starting to spoil things. So. I, I need to spoil this motherfucker right, right now. Well, so so anyway, <laughs> we did have quite a lot of good things to say about it. We've had some negative things to say about it. We'll do a grade first and then kick it a spoiler tag um, but as you're fully aware one is hated it two is didn't like it three is liked it four is really liked it five is loved it we allow point fives on this show what are you going to give The Forever Purge? Um, I'll give it a, a three quite happily I, I liked it I had a good time yeah. watching it you know it, it doesn't it doesn't provoke any particular revelations in my life or in my, my psyche kind of thing. If anything, if it did, they, they were negative. But as a hour and three quarters, like you say, action film, yeah. essentially, I had a good time watching it and I preferred it to quite a few of its predecessors. So I'd give it a three. You're giving it a three. I'm coming in at a two. Didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination yeah. because there is craft here. And there is a like there is a story. I think the story's pretty dumb, but um, there is a story there. It did move at a great pace. Like I say, there's plenty. If you're if you're in the mood for a I switch my brain off action movie, yeah, popcorn film. It delivers loads of that. Um, yeah. It's just like I've got some hang-ups on things that I need to I need to be able to hook some myself into something in the movie, and it just it isn't there for me at all. So I'm going to come in at a, a two. Uh, we are going to spoil this movie now ladies and gents I can't stress this enough if you have not seen The Forever Purge it is on your list of things you want to see this year and you do not want the movie spoiled you need to hit stop go away watch the movie come back and check out what we have to say about it or if you're using one of those fancy podcatcher devices if you check there should be a chapter listing which will take you straight to the end of the show so you skip out this whole section uh, for those that are sticking around, we are spoiling this movie in three, two, one. So yeah, so the 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 main the main crux of this story is that the purge has been away for a while. We're led to believe, um, and the new founding fathers have been re-elected back in, and one of the first. Yes, yeah, so th- this continues from the end of election. Yeah. Yes. So this is them. Oh, it's a couple of years later. Kind of it's thing. essentially the next election cycle. They've just got in, and one of the first actions that they've decided to do is bring back the purge. So the purge is back, and we essentially we follow uh, a couple um, who have escaped. And I'm going to stress this again because we need to link back to it at the very end. They've escaped death at the hands of the cartel who are murdering people willy nilly uh, to get under the border into America for a better life. The guy. He's a bit cynical on it. He kind of he, he knows he's in danger, but he likes being Mexican and living in Mexico. Mm-hmm. The woman sees all the opportunity that someone could have for living in America, like all the benefits. And then essentially, we jump forward a year, worth or ten months. So we're just we're the day before the purge, which I appreciate with this movie. They're not giving us the the montage throughout. They're like that, right? Purges tomorrow. Um, like you like strap yourself in. Um, and they work on essentially it's like a ranch. Um, he yeah. is a cowboy for a wealthy white family. She uh, is managing a meat packing factory. 
uh, full of uh, illegal workers. Um, and that's that's your setup there. Um, there's a, a group of cowboy people. There's another immigrant worker that's his friend. And then oh, we never really got too much detail on this one. And then there's a white worker who works as a ranch hand who we'll speak about later on. Um, and yeah, what. Well, they go to safety, they pay money to get taken to a, like a large school hall or a factory hall or whatever to be protected by soldiers who get paid a sum of money. The purge writes itself through. I'm skipping through a lot of this because we don't need any detail on it. Um, yep. We skip through a lot. Of, so basically the following day, our characters come out and as Baz mentioned in the, the previous section here, when they come out, it's almost evident things are not the way they should be, things haven't returned to normal, and the purge, for some people, has continued on. And essentially what we're doing is we're trying to get our characters away from the city that they're in and head to El Paso, because the big conceit of this movie, Baz, which we're going to talk about in a round, but we're going to come back and cover scenes, but the big conceit of this movie is that the government's lost control. They've sent the army in. Um, the army are, you know, they can't control everything. There's just too many people purging for, for the American army. So the Canadians and the Mexicans have lifted restrictions on their borders for six hours. And if you get across that border in those six hours, you are essentially, quote unquote, illegal aliens in Canada and Mexico, but you're away from the bad people in America. And, and that's they will we're following. Yeah, we're following our characters as they make their journey. Our main male character, played by Josh Lucas, is uh, his wife is pregnant, which is to give you the emotional hook. Um, he has a sister. Um, his father's the one that owns the ranch. Um, and then we have our two Mexican characters, uh, two Mexican male characters, and the, the woman that he mentioned earlier on from the From Dust Till Dawn TV show and stuff. And that's their journey. We're in a we're in a truck. And we're driving to El Paso um, to get across the border. But, of course, it's the purge, or the forever purge, so there will be obstacles in our way. Um, start spoiling it, Baz. Uh, any, any place you want to start on this one, good or bad? The, I think the one thing you kind of missed, it, the, the main white male character in it is... Uh, <sighs> He's not overtly racist, but he clearly has a kind of dislike for Mexicans, despite the fact that he employs them on his ranch and stuff like I believe, that. I believe the clunky, clunky dialogue that he says is that he doesn't hate Mexicans in any way. He just feels that white people should stick with white people yeah. and Mexicans should just stick with Mexicans. It's like all of the excuses you see Klansmen making on fucking YouTube interviews. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't hate black people. I just think they should yeah. stick to their own. Some blah, of my blah, best blah. friends are black people, yeah, Baz. Yeah, yeah, But I wouldn't let my daughter go out with their son. Yeah, it's, the, it's the line that is my favourite. It's, it's one of my favourite <laughs> lines in uh, Get Out. Uh, you saw Get Out, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, the dad in Get Out. Um, when he when he meets the he meets the the, the boyfriend, boyfriend and he goes like that he's like, I love black people I would have I would have voted Obama in for a third term if I could have as if that's a get out of jail free card you know what I mean totally. like I would have voted totally. for Obama for a third term I mean so and I think it's one of the first things he says to him when he meets him as well because he didn't know he was black uh, or 
quote unquote didn't know he was black. Um, as if like all black people want that reassurance. Who would you have voted for? Oh, but <laughs> well, he likes us. We're all right. Fucking okay. hell, man. Um, but yeah, so and it's it's this almost idea that it's been clever in that the white guy that doesn't want to let the Mexicans across the border is suddenly the guy trying to get across the border the other way to safety and it's nauseatingly patronising it's got to be said but um, once again like I, I just don't understand like the, the and it's it's not just not just that it's everyone in Texas is trying to get across the border yeah um, Texas is I'm not casting shade here. It's a red state. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there there are some... There are views. Um, specifically about people coming across the border. One yeah. way. And they're all... It's, it's, it's trying to be pithy and funny with it. But yeah. the bottom line is... The bottom line is... Mexico is a very fucking dangerous country. An incredibly yeah. dangerous country. And the cartel danger that they're trying to escape from at the beginning of this movie is a real fucking thing. Yeah. And the and movie hypothesizes at the end that everything's fine. Yeah, that was the, the, the one thing I really struggled to get my head around was that these people had fleed from Mexico. And there's a bit that the, 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 the Mexican female lead is... It becomes apparent during the film she's very familiar with guns and yep. stuff like that and is really used to, you know. Um, and then she says, oh, I was part of a, a group of Mexican women who took the fight to the cartels and all this bollocks. Right? Okay, you get that in all action movies. They've all got a fucking dark history, do you know what I mean? But despite her being this complete fucking badass and her man knows how to handle a gun as well yep everyone uh, knows how to handle a gun you know, in this movie they were still so scared that they you know hiked through the fucking desert paid coyotes money to take them through tunnels yep. under the wall into America mm-hmm. leaving their entire family and world behind them mm-hmm. that's how fucking scared they were and now you know there's a scene at the very end when they do finally go over the mountains back into Mexico and there's this big refugee camp, there's Mexican army guards everywhere, the flag's flying, everything's fucking great. Yeah, they're referring to them as dreamers, which is what, yeah, uh, it's an I mean? American like term, that. so, you know, for people well, that... I thought it was a, a you know, a, a, a uncivilised fucking hellhole ruled by drug dealers. Which is what the movies, yeah, but now it's... Yeah, you know what I mean? So utopia yeah. at the end. I, I, so, I fucking honestly, I'd, I like I say, my brain like was like just like starting to melt out my nose um, watching it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, and I, I mean, right, it's a porch movie, and yeah, we have to keep building things out. But there is a certain point where if that's your, like that, that's the that's the pathos to everything that's come before. Like all this, like racial tension ramping up, and all the the messaging is, go and live in Mexico. That is literally the message of this movie. Is well, it could be, you know, America's really bad, Mexico's yeah. better. And I'm just maybe I, they've got it right. 
Yeah, Have I, you ever thought of that? I could understand the Canada thing, right, to an extent, because, like, if you're left-leaning, Trudeau's seen as a bit of a... Even though he's a fucking scumbag as well. You know, he's, he's like, seen as a bit of a, you know, left-leaning, hip, kind of groovy guy that you could go across that way. But the Mexico And that, that's where the Handmaid's Tale kind of hits it right, because Canada's yeah. the kind of promised land yes. Handmaid's Tale. Do you Which know what makes I mean? sense. Go there and, yeah, yeah, but totally. It's just... I, I saw, but anyway... um. Let me tell you one of the things that I started. I don't know if you. I Baz has been to cinema. People haven't been to cinema with me before. I can sometimes get vocal. I sometimes laugh when something happens that's really fucking dumb. Uh, I actually clocked you with three or four times. And I, can, I, can, I, can, I can't. I can't help it when something happens and my brain just goes, "Oh, that's stupid." There's a scene. There's a there's a scene where they're in an alleyway and they come across the the guy who it turns out to be the big bad in the movie uh-huh. yeah, right. yeah, and yeah. his wife that he refers to as mother and yeah. this is this yeah. is right out that's but that to me is right out of that's a what Mike Pence Mike Pence calls his wife mother so the former so it's, it's only, yeah that's what he calls her he calls her mother um, oh dear uh, he was a bit of a weird one um, but the like he calls her mother she calls him father uh, and all the rest and uh, uh, they get into a gunfight and um, as they're getting pinned down with a gunfight, she goes on the walkie-talkie. He goes, call for backup. So she gets on the walkie-talkie and she goes, ah, backup, backup, right? And then doesn't tell them where they are or anything. Mm-hmm. And then the trucks just drive towards them. And I'm like, yeah. I did not know. Like, I, I honestly, I started I started laughing. And I was like, oh, this is fucking so dumb. This is just so yeah, dumb. Yeah, because it has to be pointed out, they're actually fighting against the American army at this point, or yes. the National Guard or something. They are not fighting against the little group that we are following. Yeah. There's almost like a three-way thing, you know, and yep. they were fighting these kind of militia ones, and then the army turned up and the militia are now fighting them. Yeah. But she literally yeah. goes on her, her, her radio and says, back up, back up. She doesn't say, back up, back up, the junction of 5th oh, and 7th yeah. Street or anything like that. Shines up... And then all of a sudden they know where she is, so they just <laughs> just drive up. Yeah. And I was like, "That's," and you know, it's stuff like that where I'm just like, just take to it. Like she's running along with a handgun, which I saw her like the the main Mexican chick is running along with a handgun, which I saw her reload once. Mm-hmm. She she shoots it about a hundred times. It's like this sort of stuff where I'm like, it's not difficult to just program this shit. Yeah. Um, and another kind of feeling is the like this is clearly an organised revolution. If you like, you know, 100%. they have a flag. Yes. The, the, these forever purgers or forever after purgers or whatever they call themselves, they have a fucking flag. Yeah. But everywhere you see them fighting, yeah, they have the flag. The NSA, you know, I, how is this organised? Because it's not like it started off a little group and you know it's on the news and then oh god there's a nationwide uprising. It's not even that; it's just a nationwide uprising, right? It's it, it appears to be military people that are involved with it because everyone that has a gun is trained. Ah, they're all ex special forces and stuff. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's like it's clearly so. It's not just like it's it's not it's not like a splinter cell. This is a massive. On mass group of people that are actually just remembered a scene that I fucking hate in this. There's a guy. There's a scene where they're. Uh, this, oh, I started laughing at it because I thought whoever wrote this dialogue needs shot. 
uh, with one of the 20 guns that this character can identify by the sound of the bullets. Um, oh, the Nazi guy. And I wonder how you knew he was a Nazi. Could it be that he had a swastika tattooed on his face? On his cheek. On his cheek. <laughs> Dude, like, what? Can, can't he just be, like, a normal... Like, racists are normal-looking people. Yeah. Can't he just be a normal-looking guy? Yeah, but... The, the bit that got me about that was this... That's the mute, like, he's, you see, he's rhyming off. That's a such and such again. That's an yeah. AR 15. That's an AK 47. That's a 30 double or six fucking blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, that's the music of America. Unleash the symphony of some bollocks yeah. along with that. No fucking skinhead Nazi muscle man <laughs> talks like that. He is jacked. Do you know what? He'd be like that as soon as I get out of this, I'm going to rape your yeah. face. You know, it'd be stuff like that. You know what I mean? He's not going to be going on about the crescendo of the bullets. <laughs> Fuck up. Oh, it's, it's so... It's so... Kill this black guy and then I'm going to fuck you into oblivion. Which hands, is, you know is, what I mean? is the bit that confused me because like, as soon as he gets out, he goes straight for the woman and leaves the... Yeah. the, 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 the what he perceives as the threat. He obviously uh, doesn't know that she's a complete fucking badass. Um, but it's, it's like... It's, it's that sort of stuff where I'm just like once again we're we're dealing with if the messaging in this movie is like racists look like that yes mm. they do look like that but guess what they also look like other fucking people um, yeah. and that to me that's what I love about the first Purge movie because essentially the people that are breaking out of the house are the neighbours yeah 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 you know what I mean? Aye. In a well-to-do affluent neighbourhood. And so, the, the you know, as, you know, psychopaths can look like anyone. And mm-hmm. it's like, we've moved away from that, Ed. Like, it's the steroid thing that I'm saying, it's caricatures and everyone, everything's ramped up to the, the, the loudest version that it can be. Something I did like, now let me, like, let me tilt it around mm-hmm. to something I did like. I think this movie knows exactly when and needs to get characters on the road and travelling away. Like, as soon as the dad gets shot and, you know, we, we, we move through into the, the you know, we're going to go rescue the, the, uh-huh. the wife and all the rest. But as soon as we're in that van, which is maybe about 20 minutes into the movie, if that, I feel like it was mm-hmm. about 2025, 20, this movie is, from that point to the very end, pretty much a non-stop travelling action movie. Uh, a road movie, aye. And that, to me, is the, the best choice he made in this movie because you get next to no time really stuck anywhere for any long period of time where you're like, uh. I didn't like juxtapose that, though, with the the commentary on... Because like, it, it really has an issue with white America. Uh, the, the commentary on not only are they trying to get people off... The you know like they're basically trying to annihilate anyone that is not white American in the movie. Yeah. That's the forever purge. But at the same time, there's a commentary on well, the guy who's going to save them here is a Native American. The Native American, uh, who makes a conversation. We've been fighting this war for five hundred. Five hundred years. years, yeah. I'm like, it's a cool line in a different movie. It's not a cool line in the movie with a guy with a Nazi symbol tattooed on his face. You know what I mean? It's it's. And I know why it's there. And I know out, out that whole bit, he wasn't the bit that annoyed me. Oh. The the one that annoyed me was fucking uh, like kind of half Mexican Tonto, the guy that, that appeared in black. 
out of nowhere firing dynamite out of fucking... Where did he come from? Well, At like least that... the, the old boy with the, the, the braids and all that, he had been on the television, he was introduced yep. as a character earlier on. Yep. Now, I appreciate he has a little crew, that's yep. all okay. But this guy comes leaping in like some kind of fucking ninja, and it's like you'd expect to know who he is. It's not even that, no. You know what I mean? He's, He's like, like the Lone Ranger's Native American sidekick. There's like, there's, there's like, there's like 15 people coming up over like six vehicles and yeah. they're like that. Oh, we've got limited bullets. We do have a guy though with explosives attached to fucking. Yeah. And he takes out all the vehicles. Yeah. With arrows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like that. What I'd be saying is no one fires a fucking shot. Until my homeboy up there takes out all the vehicles and they come crawling at <laughs> the vehicles and then you gun them down. It's it's such a honestly, you were talking about I think we need to touch on it because it it adds it's it's clumsily put together, it adds nothing to the story, and it's forgotten about really fucking fast. There is a love interest the in love, this movie. Oh. So bad, so bad. The the sister, so the, there's the rich white family who own the ranch at the beginning. Yeah. And as you say, the, 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 the father gets killed early on. The son and his pregnant wife are the kind of lead white characters, but he has a sister who's also there. And there is this random Mexican guy who's friends with Juan, yeah. who's the, the, the main guy, male yeah. Mexican. Um, and... Almost immediately, from out of nothing, there is this attraction between the sister and this guy. Just because it's, it's, well, it's so cliched and fucking oh look, the sister's falling in love with the poor she Mexican falls in, bar She falls man, in you know love I mean? with him because they go into a shop and he has peanut butter and she has and jelly. she's getting jelly. Yeah, it's fucking rancid. <laughs> And then he dies. Yep. And she just moves on. She does quickly. move on. <laughs> she does move on pretty quick. Everyone, just, in fairness, everyone was, moves on pretty quick. There was absolutely no need for it. You yeah. already had two couples. In exactly. It. One's pregnant. You know, one, one's trying to keep his pregnant wife alive, get her to safety so their child can be born. And the other keeps getting separated from his wife, so he's yep. just trying to get his wife back after everything they've been through. That that really was all of the relationships you needed yeah. in that fucking movie. Yeah, you know. Um, I agree. I and, agree. And the, the, the second Mexican guy, he, he really had no part to play other than be this odd romantic fucking foil for the sister. Who, quite frankly, we could have done mute as well. Yeah, aye. She's, like, she's I mean? like the the help she gives to get the the her sister in law across. You know, yeah. that could have been done by someone else. In fact, oh, if anything, well, a complete stranger. Yeah, if anything, it it would have made more sense to the idea of the compassionate illegal immigrant if they had helped her over. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, it's part of the uh-huh. story. That's also, true. hate yep. the fucking like the the last light like the baby's born at the end and they come down there. And um, earlier on in the movie, the the main white guy has went out his way. I don't understand Mexican. I don't speak Mexican. Yeah. At the very end, when the guy's like, "You've got a beautiful baby," and all the rest, uh, gracias Juan. Yeah, gracias Juan. Um, and he does it in an authentic Mexican. Like, it's not even just like oh. gracias Juan. You know what I mean? It's do, you, like, <laughs> do you know what I thought was coming right at that fucking point? There's mm-hmm. a, there's a bit. Uh, the baby's born, and I was convinced. 
that she, the, the mother was going to say, what will we call her? Because it's a wee girl. Ethel. And I was sure he was going to say Rose. Yeah. Because of because all the, yeah. there are roses painted at the very start when the Mexican couple are escaping from Mexico. The wee guy says, follow the roses. And they do this through the film. There's roses yeah. painted on walls and they use this as guides to safety. And I'm like, I fucking bet they call this kid. In fact, I would almost bet you they do that that screen. is in there. Yeah. And it just didn't make the fucking final yeah. cut in the film. I would goddamn guarantee that there's a deleted scene where he calls that fucking kid, <laughs> kid Rose. Rose. <laughs> In terms of like, we're, we're, we're picking we're picking it apart well, and I like that we're picking it apart well because it strengthens my case that it's not a good movie. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, like I said before, it's, I mean, it's full of action. If you want to see gunfights on the streets that are on fire, tanks blow up vehicles, like rocket launchers like that, it is like, I can't believe when you watch that first Purge movie and you now look at where we are, it is you know, it's so different. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's so huge. And it, the final shots of America, we zoom out to America, yeah. and it's what well, it is essentially on fire. On and fire, that's what I said yeah. to you earlier on. Where do you go from that? It, well, that, I mean, you and I spoke about it when we came out. I mean, it, it's starting to border on the post-apocalyptic yeah. kind of idea. And in fact, towards the end of that film, it's a bit like World War Z without the zombies. Yep. Yep, 100%. Do you know what I mean? The, the country's on fire, everybody's fighting everybody. And, I, I, you know, you had said to me outside the cinema, oh, well, this was supposed to be the last one, but I'm hearing now that there's another two scripts in the fucking He's apparently got two scripts me. to finish out the story, so... And it's, will it go that way now? It's the smouldering ruins of America and these plucky people are rising up, you know, trying to build a country mm. again, but the purgers are... You can see that coming. You know, I'm not saying I will, but I wouldn't be shocked if that was the way they went with it. Because it did start to have an almost kind of, no Mad Max, but, you know, like a kind of post-apocalyptic feel towards the end. My my problem with all these movies, when movies go like this, when it's in one country, is what's the rest of the world doing? Yeah. Standing by, watching it. Aye, no, I know what you mean. It's just, it frustrates me because I'm like, when 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 it's a... a one night a year that they do something, I can imagine, like, countries frowning on it, I can imagine some, like, you know, the UN saying that's, you know, like, all, all that, but I can, like, I can't imagine it happening, but I can understand it being tolerated, because countries tolerate a lot, a lot worse from other countries that do things, um, but then I'm also thinking to myself, that's at that insular level, as soon as it becomes a, a forever purge, Everyone has a vested interest in America not to collapse, so everyone gets them. But I just don't. I, I don't know. I think it's it's went too far. That to me, like if this was the last one, I would leave it at that. Um, yeah. But I know, like I say, he, he's he, they're talking about it. It's made a lot of money. It's going to happen. Um, I suppose the only other thing that I thought in terms of a kind of as he positive for the movie um, overall was that I did actually. For the most part, enjoy the 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 character arcs themselves, even though they're clunky and generic. But the character arcs of the the our main two Mexican characters, I like that because at the end of the day, she still has faith and hope in America. Because mm-hmm. we get that scene later on where she's still saying that, and I love her 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 rationale behind that. You know, she's like that. 
there's you know everyone's squashed out of the country and that's it's maybe one of the better lines of the movie it's what makes America great is yeah. you have people from all over the world collaborating and living together in one system it's, it's the whole melting pot yeah concept I you know that, that America has cla- always claimed that it is yes despite the fact it's very clearly not like that anymore do you know what I mean yeah I, I, I love that I, I like that line and I, I like that like that kind of optimism that she has I, what I really like is that they don't beat it out around this movie because mm. that that's the sort of writing that drives me up the wall at the end she's like oh yes you were right one yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I should have listened to you. You know what I mean? I, I, I like that about it. And I also like on some level that his character has a bit of growth as well. Like, we don't often get that in movies like this where our characters actually are better people by the end of it through mm-hmm. tragedy. And I actually think that all four of our characters, as clumsily as it's handled, oh, sorry, all five of our survivors here. Well, the sister, she's she's not even fucking part of the she's conversation. Not but, entity, yeah. Basically. But the 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 kind of the pregnant woman who once again is almost a non-entity. She doesn't mm. really change her position. But the the main dude and the the main Mexican dude and his wife, those three characters feel like there is a very clumsy story arc. But yeah, it, yeah. there's an arc that finishes for them, and some of the other Purge movies you don't get that. Yeah. There isn't an arc for a character. So I appreciate that I had that. Do I think it was handled well? No. Um, but I, I appreciated that link back in. So, I mean, the thing about it is, I've said I didn't like it. I would still say if you've seen all the other ones, go and see it. Go and see it. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. I mean? um, like I say, I, I did. I preferred it to. It's better than some the, of the other one. ones. It's better yeah. than the previous one. I did not like the. I did not like the the first purge at all. I thought no. it was. I thought like not even racially insensitive. At times, it was offensive. Um, yeah. So I, I think they've kind of they brought it back a little bit here. Um, so yeah, overall we're saying Baz is saying a three. Yep. I'm saying a two. Um, anything else you want to say about the purge, or will we will bring this in? No, I, I don't think so, mate. Um, I, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I'm, I'm a bit like you. I, I think maybe we should call it quits now. Aye. You know, in terms of the franchise. Yeah, you've got enough they out probably, there. They probably won't. Yeah. And as you were saying, the film is making its money. Yeah. Um, a big part of that is probably the fact that it's for you and me that are just wanting to go back to cinema because we haven't been that long. Yeah. So we'll no doubt get I think it's also the TV. I think upon us. Originally they planned the TV show was supposed to be the spin-off and that was supposed to carry on and the TV show didn't do well. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it's why we're back doing movies. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think we've we've had enough purge. Like five yeah. instalments is a good run. Um, and yeah, absolutely, and and like you say, I, I would say something. You know, go and watch it. Of you, you'll have a just switch off and watch the film. You'll have a good time. Get yourself a big popcorn and just sit and watch it. And you like you see it flies in. Oh, like that for I, I was shocked when I clicked on the IMDb and it said an hour and forty-five because mm. I swear to God it felt like an hour. Yeah, because we were out and I was like, is that the fucking you know like it genuinely mm, felt yeah. like it flew in. Uh, Baz, thank you very much for joining. I enjoyed this, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, it's been good, man. We, we, we need to try and do this a bit more because, like you say, I am at about 90, 80 to 90% of the films you go to see, I'm sitting next to you watching them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this has been good. 
this nice. has been good. I've enjoyed this. Nice. It's nice to talk over it again as well. It is yeah. as well because sometimes you get like we chat about the movies outside, but sometimes like a day later, two days later, you can sometimes verbalise your opinion a bit more because you've had time to think on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and sometimes absolutely. it's good to get like actually carve in to be able to ask a question. Of, but why is it you like that bit? Because to me mm. it works this way and then you hear someone else's opinion you go, well I never thought it like that, actually that's pretty clever or actually if yeah, anything yeah. It, it now doesn't work for that sort of thing. So yeah, we, we, we will, we're not committing to anything because no, no. a non-committal but podcast. But, this uh, might happen again. He may be back. <laughs> right. I'm going to take my final break ladies and gents. When I come back I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 350, a review of Forever Purge. Myself and the man, the myth, the legend, the Baz, sitting down and chatting. Ton of fun. That review was indeed, even if I wasn't as hot on the movie as the Baz was overall. Big thanks to the Baz for joining me for this episode. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. Don't know if you can peel them both, but try. Because uh, he will be showing up in more episodes as the year progresses. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts on this day. So if you're listening to this right now, hit subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of T-Putt's episodes. There's almost 950 episodes in the archive now. So I get a feeling before the end of the year, we might be cruising nicely and comfortably over that 1,000 episode number, which is kind of daunting when you say it out loud. Also subscribe to Teapots Collective, it's a sister feed to this one and you get other shows that I do, whether it's Where to Begin With, Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty or Chronicle. They're all over there with their archives on that feed and subscribing to both of them is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. Jump across to our website, it's tputzcast.com. Links to all the shows are there, as well as a link to Jaws is Shite and other regrettable outbursts. The Booze Bays Banter podcast with myself, The Baz, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs. Evil. It is a ton of fun as we get drunk, regale you with horrible life choices, and do some weird news stories from around the world, and listener emails to boot. Jaws is Shite and other regrettable outbursts can be found exclusively on tputzcast.com. Why not jump across and check us out on Facebook? Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Cast for the podcast under the stairs. Teapots Collective is just simply Facebook.com forward slash Cast. And for Jaws is shite and other regrettable outbursts, it's Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. You can reach out and interact myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at Cast. The podcast under the stairs returns this Sunday with some more 88 Thumbs action. Oh, that's right, we're coming back for you, so get yourself ready. Another one of those shows dropping Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and what you're up to in this big bad world of virus, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. <laughs>